2: This is VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: This is the Look Ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Scott Seidenberg back here with you it is the Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. You can always hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. What a wild day it was in Major League Baseball. Uh, you had some some games that were just, man. I mean, that ending in the Twins game against the Tigers, heartbreaking. If you had the Tigers in this one, I don't really know what to say. Um, it was a crazy way for a game to end. It's the bottom of the ninth inning. The Tigers have a... 4-3 lead over the Twins. So you get your three outs, and you walk away with a victory. So Larnick walks. Then Larnick gets to second on a wild pitch. Gio Urshela walks. Max Kepler then strikes out. So you got one out. Runner's on first and second. You're still okay. It's a 4-3 game. Miguel Sano then hits a ball to deep right field that was almost caught for an out. It goes off of Robbie Grossman's glove. I'm describing it if you haven't seen it because it really is crazy. So the ball goes off of Robbie Grossman's glove and to the wall. So naturally, Larnick scores from second. Now... Gio Urshela stops at third. Sano rounds second and is kind of, um, kind of uh, in no man's land or whatever. No, I'm saying so Larnick was uh, a Larnix, scores. Basically, he was going first to third, on uh, second to third, Larnick scores.
2: And then Urshela scores because the catcher throws the ball away trying to throw to get the runner that was caught up
3: at third base. Overthrows the runner, uh, overthrows the fielder, and the winning run scores. Tying run and winning run score on a little league play that could have just been a deep fly out to right field. And it was a tough way to lose a game, but Seemed like there was a lot of tough ways to lose games here in Major League Baseball. We had our first negative day of the baseball season. Uh, picks up on the v Daily Best Bets page. We went three and, by we, I say me, Scott Seidenberg, three and three on the picks. Uh, we started out day three and oh. <laughs> I was like, we're going to have a day here, you know? <laughs> I put out six picks and I'm like, we are going to have a day and listen to like how good I felt. So, three picks already come through. Phillies, first five over hits. Yankees team total over hits. Marlins first five hits. And at that point, I got Brewers and Pirates. I got the Pirates plus a one and a half. I got Mets over three and a half runs. And Royals, White Sox over eight and a half. It is six nothing Royals in the sixth inning. The
2: Mets have two runs in the fourth inning. And the Pirates and Brewers were tied at four in the sixth inning. I felt great. I felt great. But then the
3: top of the sixth came from Milwaukee and Willie Adamas. Man, this guy had a day today. If it wasn't for Willie Adamas, this bet would have came through because the handicap was, you know, I thought the Pirates would score. And in hindsight, looking back on it, probably just should have bet the Pirates team total could have gotten it at three and a half and they scored eight easy, easy runs even without Brian Reynolds in the lineup, this team scored eight runs. But it was Willie Adamas who single-handedly beat this Pirates team today. Adamas goes four for five, two home runs, and seven RBIs. He had a two-run homer in the top of the first inning. He had a two-run double in the top of the fifth inning. And then he had a three-run homer in the top of the sixth inning. Single-handedly beat the Pirates. That was very upsetting. So, all right, we chalked that one up as a loss. I know the Pirates scored and and made a little bit of a comeback, but it it was all for naught. Chalked that one up to a loss, but still, hey, we can go five out of six, right? Mets have plenty of time to score two runs, and the Royals and White Sox, it's only a matter of time before they score a couple of runs. Well, those runs never came. Mets beat the Cardinals 3-0. They leave nine runners on base, ground into three double plays, and never able to scratch the fourth run across, leaving the bases loaded in the top of the ninth inning. Francisco Lindor grounding out to end the ninth inning, unable to scratch across that fourth run. And then the Royals and White Sox, in just a game that was just baffling, and I feel like there's something's going to change with this White Sox team, firing the hitting coach, something. I don't know. They are slumping bad. But the Royals and White Sox combined to
2: strand 19 runners on base. That is that's wild. I don't even I mean, I don't even what's the MOB record for
3: most runners left on base? It's, let's see, 16 is uh, the most runners left on base during a nine inning shutout is 16. Um, it occurred twice. Philadelphia shut out St. Louis. Uh, the fewest runners left on base, obviously zero, but um, that's probably by one. That's got to be by one team, and that's in a shutout. But anyway, combined, 19 runners left on base in this game, and all I needed was three of those 19 to score. That's, you know, when when, when I talk about one of my favorite sayings, and I feel like I should just make a T-shirt that says this, context matters, right? When you handicap a game, when you're doing your research, when you're looking at past results, okay, you can't just look at the box score and say, Royals beat the White Sox 6-0. Or it was the reason why I I looked at, and and let me explain here through going through my process. Um, I took the Yankees team total over the Orioles. Now, why? Well, Yankees saw Jordan Lyles last week. And despite only scoring one run against Jordan Lyles last week, if you just looked at that box score, you would say, hey, Lyles, shut the Yankees down. Why would you bet the Yankees to then beat him up. Well, if I say context matters. What happened? Let's break it down. The Yankees
2: actually made contact all game against him. They put balls in play, and they barreled up balls in play. In fact, the Yankees have
3: three of the top ten hitters in baseball in barrel rate and exit they put eight runners on base in the first five innings against Jordan Lyles. Only one of them came around to score. But, you know, I I tweeted it out the other day and I keep saying it when it comes to baseball, put the ball in play, good things happen. The other part of that saying, get guys on base and good things happen. Now, it didn't happen today in the White Sox Royals game. 19 runners stranded on base at least the opportunity is there. You can't score runs without putting runners on base, unless you're just hitting solo home run after solo home run after solo home run. So with the more guys getting on base, the more I feel, the more confident I feel about my opportunity to score runs and to have big innings. And so looking at the Yankees against Jordan Miles, I felt confident, wow, they keep putting runners on base. One of these hits is going to go. and. or it's going to go over the wall, right? You know, if, uh, they get two runners on base in Camden Yards and hit one to left field with the new, uh, the new dimensions out there, winds up being a flyout, But you get two runners on base, you hit that ball at Yankee Stadium, it's a three-run homer. And look at what Anthony Rizzo did. Anthony Rizzo with three home runs in this game. Yankees win 12-8. to eight. So, Context matters. Yes, I lost three games today. I went three and three. I'm not happy with those results. I apologize for them. But I'll tell you what, I ain't changing a thing about my process because all of those caps were on, I was on the right side of all of those games. You want to say maybe not the Pirates, but you know what? You score eight runs in a Major League Baseball game, you're winning that game, I don't know. Nine, eight and a half times out of ten? You score eight runs in a Major League Baseball game, you should win that game. And I didn't even want them to win. I had them plus or one and a half. They could have lost by one. They just happened to give up 12 runs, and seven of them were driven in by one guy (laughs) who had a, just, that guy was like, he was seeing a beach ball coming at him. That's the old saying. And the Mets with the, Nine runners on base left and leaving the bases loaded and not getting that fourth run, that stunk. And 19 runners left on base in Chicago and Kansas City without getting three extra runs, yeah, that stunk as well. But I ain't changing a thing about the process. And we're going to look to dominate this Wednesday as a bounce back. We'll talk to a variety of topics with
2: our very own Amal Shaw coming up next. This is the look ahead on VCN, the sports betting network.
3: Back here on the look ahead, I'm Scott Seidenberg here on VCN, the sports betting network. Joined now by our very own host of Odds On here on the network. He is Amal Shah. Amal, thanks so much for giving me a couple of minutes as we are less than 48 hours away from the NFL draft. How much uh, betting on the draft are you involved in?
4: I'm not a lot. I just have one play so far, and that's uh, the number of wide receivers trapped in the first round at over five and a half. I took that a while back. Um, you know, Scott, a lot of this is all conjecture and just basically people disseminating information. How accurate is it remains to be seen? Uh, I, I really don't believe when so-and-so says this team is taking this. Do you really think people are going to disclose this information? I mean, it's, it's like, give me a break. Let's be realistic on some of these
3: things. Yeah, I mean, the the one thing that I always say is anything that you hear right now is because somebody wants you to hear it. Whether it's a team that wants you to hear it, or it's an agent that wants you to hear it, somebody wants the information to get out. No one gets any inside stuff that just leaks because, uh, you know, somebody let it slip uh, behind closed doors. No, anything that you hear is because somebody wants that information
4: out there. You're, you're absolutely right. And I think that's important to distinguish that. And I think this draft has been difficult to gauge because a lot of these players, I look at this draft, I mean, the quarterbacks are fairly weak, even though I like Pickett and I think Willis and Corral are pretty decent. You know, it's hard to say how these teams evaluate them. It's not like anybody's posting public or, oh, well, we see this guy as a future backup quarterback or anything like that. So it, it's really hard to accurately be able to project this one.
3: Do you think that are you buy? Do you buy into all the the movements of the odds? Like, do you think that we're pretty locked in now that Trayvon Walker will be the number one overall pick based on the 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 line movement?
4: No, because it's not like that's being released from Duval. I mean, it's not like somebody out there within the Jags is saying, "Hey, this is the move." This is all just speculation on yeah. a lot of people's parts. You know, would you be surprised at all if they went with an offensive lineman? Nope. I mean, they need offensive line help, so. I don't think anything is slam dunk. I just didn't understand Aiden Hutchinson being the first pick in the draft. I don't think he's as good as people think he is.
3: I would agree with that. Uh, I, I, I look, I know that edge, edge rusher has kind of changed the game in the NFL. Um, but I mean, when was the last time we saw really, you know, the guy number one overall have, uh, you know, that big of an impact on the team? You might be better off getting a guy who can anchor your line for
4: 10 years which is so important when you have a young quarterback. You you bring up a good point there, Scott, which is if you have an offense, the way the games are officiated and called today, you're better off. I mean, let's be real here. Defense has got to make some plays and some stops. But you can outscore people and win. Kansas City has proven that over the last couple of years. And when I I look at um, Aiden Hutchinson, he had great games against Ohio State, three sacks, three against Penn State, and two and a half against Wisconsin. Of credit for playing his best against the biggest opponents, but where the hell was he against Georgia? Put that tape on and tell me how good he was. The rest of his career, he had nine sacks in thirty-three games. You know, the one thing I would point to is Chase Young, who was a second overall pick. Chase Young, he may not have had a sack against Trevor Lawrence in the playoff, but he was present. He was there, getting pressure every time. And so, to me, if you're going to be the first overall pick, I don't look at Aiden Hutchinson saying, "Wow." We're going to draft this guy. I see six Pro Bowls, three All-Pros, and a potential to land in Canton. I just don't see it with him. Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: where are you right now uh, with the NBA playoffs uh, as far as betting these games? Anything that you're buying into when you're watching these teams, whether it's uh, the zigzag effect, which has not actually been very profitable, or are you just looking at well, line movements? Uh,
4: that, I'm going to tell you something. I, I hate that. That's an idiotic theory for people that don't bet real money. Yeah. Okay? That, that, that's crap. Go fire 20 dimes on a game and tell me you're waiting on zigzag. Look at the matchups. See how some of these teams play. Look at Dallas. They've been able to cover their 4-0-1 against the number because they haven't gotten any respect.
3: I agree with that. And I, mean, I, I was looking at – so I, I was on Minnesota today, and, and I, I, I was surprised that there wasn't an adjustment off of games 1 and 2. Games 1 and 2 was, right. was a similar spread here, but this series has been so close – yet there was no point spread adjustment here for game five. It was still six and a half, seven. It just didn't make sense.
4: To to your point, so I lost on the Miami game tonight. I had the heat. They broke the fourth quarter lead. But if you look at it, they dominated the the series. Out of 20 quarters, they were probably the better team for about 16 of the quarters. In terms of the Minnesota-Memphis series, to your point, I didn't understand this line being so high simply because Minnesota, They collapsed in game number uh, three at home where they uh, squandered that lead. But they have been right there every step of the way. They've been shooting the three ball as well as they want in almost every game so far. Game two, they did struggle a bit, but you expected Memphis to bounce back after losing at home. This series has been neck and neck. neck. Um, You know, Memphis had a great regular season, but the reality is Minnesota, if they don't even win this series, they look back and say, hey, listen, maybe we're an acquisition away, a little bit of an improvement for being a top four team in the West next
2: year i I don't
3: hate that take i, I, I think that, I think it could be, I think you could be right there. um looking ahead to tomorrow, Warriors, there has been a little bit of an adjustment here. The line is now nine. i Amal, I think this is a double digit blowout win uh, I, I just I can't see Denver putting up a fight here. Down three games to one, winning that game, congratulations. It's the gentleman sweep, as we call it, where, you know, team with home court advantage wins the first three. They let you get one on your home floor, and then they close it out here at home in game five. Do you think this one has a chance to be close or is the spread correct or should it even be higher? Because I, I honestly would lay double digits with the Warriors.
4: Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I I'm not a big fan of this term gentleman sweep. I'm trying to murder every every MF or I've ever played, whether it be pickup or in the pros. It makes no difference. I I don't get that. But to your point, I I think Golden State's a far superior team. I thought, you know, they got a big shot out of Barton late in that game against uh, Golden State. I think the Warriors turned this thing up and turned the screws to Denver early on. I think this game's over by halftime. I like Golden State a lot. They've been the far superior team. I mean, they were very fortunate to get one game here. Uh, In that last game, I think it was Draymond that fouled out. I think in this game, Golden State takes control very quickly. You know, you got to take advantage of the fact that Utah's looking at potentially seven games or Dallas is looking at seven games. Uh, Memphis and Minnesota are almost, it feels like they're going to go seven. Phoenix, I think, closes out New Orleans in game six, but you got a chance to play one less game or two less games than your potential opponents if you're the Golden State Warriors. That may not be a big deal right now, but when we go to game six or potentially game seven, that wear and tear, and then you go to the conference finals, those things make a difference.
3: How nervous should the 76ers be going to Toronto for Game 5? Or excuse me, Game 6?
4: They, they should be very nervous. To me, when you're a team who's got a 3-0 lead, I always say up 3-0, the most important game is Game Number 5. Because Game 4, you expect the team to be able to potentially win on their home floor if they're the team that's on the, uh, on the road for the majority of the series. You win game five, if you steal that game, you feel confident in game six, you can win on your home floor. And then game seven, anything can happen. And the where Toronto is right now, they got a great chance. Philadelphia with some injuries, uh, especially with Embiid's thumb. Matisse Thibel will not play in game six because uh, uh, he's not vaccinated. And then James Harden, you know, this guy's starting to look like a shell of himself. Uh, By the way, all these guys from Oklahoma City that were on that team that went to the uh, 2012 finals, they look like they can't play to a certain extent anymore. (laughs) But you you look at it, they've got an opportunity here. If you're Toronto, you you need to find a way to win this game because game seven, you you have a bad shooting night. You wind up with a catastrophic collapse. I think uh, all-time NBA teams are 143-0 when leading 3-0. Yeah, Uh, yeah,
3: 144 now, yep.
4: Yeah, you don't want to be that team. That gets swept. Yeah, that's right. Boston beat Brooklyn. Yeah, so you don't want to be that team that loses that game.
3: Um, There's only been three times in NBA history that a team has even forced a game seven after being down uh,
4: 3-0. There you go. I mean, and and I'll tell you what, I don't know if there's a worse town in America to lose a 3-0 lead than in Philadelphia.
3: Yeah, well, if first of all, I don't think Doc Rivers is long for Philadelphia anyway. I think Daryl Morey wants to get Mike D'Antoni in there. But if they blow this, he's out of a job. 100%.
4: 100%. Uh,
2: I'm, still, I'm
4: still trying to figure out why he had a job in Philly to begin with, but so that's another story. But, you know, I, I tend to agree with you. You, we can't know, have... you know he's going
3: to be coaching the Lakers next year. Come on. You know <laughs> you know, he's going to coach the Lakers next year. Mike D'Antoni going to coach people. the Sixers. Doc is going to coach the Lakers.
4: Why? It's not like they're going to listen to him any more than they did Frank Vogel, <laughs> where they're going to run their own plays by week two or week three if they action actually <laughs> pretend to training camp that we're going to listen to a coach. That's one of the worst in-game managers of all time.
3: Uh, One, uh, one final thought here real quick. Uh, Mavericks jazz Thursday night, Dallas two and a half point road favorites. They close it out.
4: Wow. I didn't realize they're two and a half point road favorites in this one. Uh, You know, there's some concern and I didn't understand though, why uh, Quinn Snyder was playing their guys down 29 to start the fourth quarter. I would have sat everybody, but, I think it'll be tough to close it out in Salt Lake City. Now, uh, Donovan Mitchell's health is definitely a concern. Yeah. Um, I think that's made into the me, line here. Yeah, and, and I get the feeling, he—what what, is he not going to play in this one? I haven't looked. I haven't seen an update. But it sure feels like if this is the number now, Dallas is a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this spot.
3: Yeah, MRI, <laughs> MR, his MRI was negative, but we will we, we will see. I just think that this this Jazz team – this is the last time we're ever going to see them as presently presently constituted, and they are they're ready to uh part ways. Amal, I appreciate the time and the conversation. Good luck with all your bets. We'll talk again real soon. He's Amal Shah. You check Thank him out. You. Odds on Monday through Friday here on vSAN. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The LookAnd. Scott Zellerberg back here with you. This is the look ahead here on Vsin and let me tell you about what's going on with our NFL draft and uh, you know the baseball stuff we got. I mean, let me tell you, the spring special, fifty nine dollars gets you everything that Vsin has to offer from now through the end of July. Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets. Jonathan Von Tobel his best bets all the way through the NBA finals. Andy McNeil's breaking down all the action on the ice all the way through. The Stanley Cup playoffs. We have all the NFL preseason coverage, not to mention continued best bets, premium articles covering golf, UFC, USFL, NASCAR, and more. If you want the full V experience, which features a daily best bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever and wherever you want it. The cost is only $59 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Sign up now at vsim.com slash spring you also get my daily major league baseball picks which are in our daily host best bets uh link on the homepage. i tweet out when i have submitted those picks so everyone can go to the website and check those out um so far on the season so last week we had a good week we were 19 and 6 this week we're 6 4 and 1 uh plus the play of the day record which is now at what did i say 14 5 and 1 is the play of the day record if i look it up right now uh, yeah 14 5 and 1 overall on the year 35 12 and 2 so uh, feeling pretty good actually going to have to double check that two pushes i'm pretty sure like i'm missing a push somewhere like i have 35 12 and 1 but i'm pretty sure it's 35 12 and 2 so i'm leaving that two in there so I can go back into my archive because I have everything tracked and I can see where my second push was because I know there was a second push. I just know it. Anywho, I'm Scott Sidenberg. Get me up on Twitter at Scottsonair, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R, three and three in the picks here on uh, Tuesday, which is uh, unacceptable. It's unacceptable from my standards, so we will try and um, really pick it up here on Wednesday, and I'm already I've already circled a couple of spots for Wednesday, including one that is a system play for me. Getaway day sweep avoidance. I'm telling you it is real. It is real, and we got a team that qualifies
2: first game of the day. Mets and Cardinals. Let me just break this down for you real quick. This isn't just a funny thing, a
3: fun, quirky name that I just decided to come up with, right? And this is like a Scott Seidenberg original because I don't really see anybody else
2: doing this. I might have invented it. So I'm going to take credit for it. Getaway day teams looking to avoid a sweep. You have the Mets and the Cardinals. So let's forget about the exact example. Let me
3: set this up. Getaway day teams looking to avoid a sweep. Whenever you have a series that features the first two games as night games and then the third and final game of the series as an early day game because it's getaway day, meaning both teams or at least one of the teams will travel after that game, getting out of town, preferably the team that has the two games to do lead. So it's, it's better, I mean, I'll take it in any respect, but if the team that has won on, let's say, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and then is leaving town Thursday after the game, it's perfect. Or in this case of the Mets, they played Monday night, they played Tuesday night, now they play Wednesday day, they're traveling away. They're leaving
2: St. Louis after the game. What happens in this third game is a few things. One,
3: there is a tendency to relax. Major League Baseball is a long marathon season where the goal is to win a series. You take two out of every three, you're going to the playoffs. When you already won the first two games of the series, there's a tendency to let down. There's a tendency to relax in game three, especially. If it's a day game, after a night game. You know, maybe you went out to dinner after the game. Maybe you're celebrating. You just took the first games, the first two games of the set, so you guaranteed yourself a win of the series. The next day, you might be a little sluggish. You might get to the ballpark a little later. You're tired. You didn't have any off days. You just went through the grind of playing day after day after day. Plus, with a day game after a night game, You usually get a backup catcher in. A lot of major leagues teams don't like to have their catcher play day games after night games. And most of the time, the backup catcher is, one, not as talented offensively as the starting catcher. And two, maybe he doesn't handle the pitching staff as well as the primary catcher. Maybe he doesn't call as good of a game as the primary catcher. So you downgrade the team just a little bit for having the backup catcher playing. Also, bullpen usage. You have to handicap bullpen usage. If a team won the first two games of the series, the majority of the time, they probably used their best arms out of the bullpen, specifically their closer. If there were two save situations, They use their closure in back-to-back nights. Maybe the closure is not available to pitch for a third consecutive day. A lot of major league teams don't have their closure throw three consecutive days. So I get maybe a team that is a little bit relaxed and sluggish, a little let down after winning the first two games and satisfied, you know, fat and tired. I get a backup catcher most of the time. I get a limited bullpen without a closer. Oh, and I get a team on the other side that is
2: motivated to salvage a win. To avoid getting swept. This is a recipe for success, my friends. Now, what do we have specifically here on Wednesday?
3: We got the Mets who took two two in a row from the Cardinals. The first time, mind you, In this early part of the season. That the Cardinals have lost back to back games. The Mets. Scored five runs in the top of the ninth. After a fluke Nolan Arenado error.
2: To capture the win in game one. And in game two. They got hits and the Cardinals didn't. Cardinals haven't
3: scored a lot in this series. The Mets haven't scored a lot. In this series. But the Mets used. Edwin Diaz in both games which means that they're probably not going to use Edwin Diaz in this game on Wednesday should they even need him which means you're likely going to get Seth Lugo or Trevor May closing the game if they're in a safe situation I'll take my chances with those guys out of the bullpen or maybe even Adam Adovino but Adovino even pitched tonight so I don't know if he's available Throw in the fact that the Mets have, um, they've been, their batters have been hit by pitches a lot this season. And it happened again in this game against the Cardinals. Now, they're not happy with it. They are not happy with it. But having already won the first two games of this series,
2: having Pete Alonso getting drilled in the helmet with a ball, I wonder, if, I wonder if Pete gets the day off here on Wednesday. Now,
3: I don't know that. I don't know the lineup. Lineup's not out yet. But I just wonder if he gets the day off. Starling Marte took a fastball to the ribcage. I wonder if he gets a day off. With a day game after a night game, after winning the first two games of this series, there could be guys that get days off. Or at the very least, maybe they're DHing. And so that takes away a primary defender in the field because you're using that guy as a DH. James McCann caught for the Mets on Tuesday night, which means you're probably going to get Tomas
2: Nito catching for them on Wednesday. Throw in the added little bonus. And I, I call it a little bit of a bonus. But the starting pitcher for St. Louis Cardinals on Wednesday.
3: None other, none other than former Met Steven Matz, who would love nothing more than to go out there and have his best start of the season against his former team to prove that he deserved a spot on this elite rotation. That is the best rotation in baseball with Max Scherzer. And they're still waiting on DeGrom. But Bassett and Carrasco and Tyler McGill. Yeah, Steven Matz, you know, played Toronto last year. Now he's uh, with the Cardinals. Might want to stick it to the Mets a little bit. I love the Cardinals here on Wednesday. I really do. And they're slight underdogs right now. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's Air. This is the look ahead here on VSIN,
2: the sports betting network. This is the look ahead on Sports Betting Network. Answer
3: the call of cash with DraftKings Connect to Victory Challenge, sponsored by Verizon. Play for free in this nine-part prediction pool series and take your shot at grabbing a share of $45,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com Verizon now to join the action. Verizon, America's most reliable 5G network. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. This is The Look Ahead here on Vsin the sports betting network. You can always hit me up on Twitter. At Scott's on air, it's S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Joining me now from the Sports Gambling Podcast, Sports Gambling Podcast Network, he is Sean Green. You follow him on Twitter, at Sean T. Green. And Sean, when it comes to uh, the NFL draft, which is a little, I've been saying less than 48 hours. I feel like now we've gotten to the time where I could say it's more than 24 hours. So how about we just say it's uh, pretty soon, uh, the draft here in Vegas, Are you locked in to your bets right now or are you still trying to piece together the information before you lock things in?
5: Well, you know, locked in is a, uh, a loose term. Uh, do I have bets on the uh, NFL draft? Yes. Do I want more action? Yes. <laughs> am I, am I going to get down more as things uh, unfold here? And we were talking uh, right before the, before we got on air here and actually had to cut me off because we were basically doing the show. <laughs> uh, you were responding to the, the Becton news about how now the jets, it seems like he's never going to, there's So, if you are leaning uh, that the Jets were going to take an offensive lineman, now it seems like a sure thing, or, or at least way more certain if Beckton is truly out. There's a ton of value. I, I think you were saying you got a Quanu at a nice number there at the number four spot. I still wouldn't be shocked if uh, a Quanu ends up going number one overall with the Jags. It, it's going to really come down to who has more say in the building, Trent Balky or Doug Peterson. I know Doug Peterson wants to go uh, offense, O line. Again, the Eagles won a Super Bowl in 2017 because they had an amazing offensive line. I could see him wanting to go O line. So if Aquano gets drafted number one, then at number four, if the Jets go offensive line, uh, you got some pretty interesting bets here because Evan Neal is 25 to one, Charles Cross is, is 25 to one. And again, this is what's so awesome about this draft in particular. There's no Trevor Lawrence guaranteed number one mm-hmm. to kind of set the board, and you know whatever happens at number one, it, it's gonna it's gonna really shake things up. We did our draft props episode a couple of nights ago, and one of my locks was Aiden Hutchinson over one and a half at plus one sixty. This was before wow. the shift happened, where all of a sudden people came. Oh wait, hey, hey it's gonna be Trevon Walker. I was always in the camp. If you can get plus odds on it, not being Aiden Hutchinson, why not give it a shot? Because there's two good offensive linemen. Uh, And then there's, you know, Trevon Walker, who Balky, the GM is supposedly pushing for. So you have three outs. Essentially, I think worst case scenario, it's a coin toss that they go Hutchinson. So if you got plus odds on over one and a half on Hutchinson, I mean, that that's one of my favorite bets so far.
3: So here's what I did with a and I kind of hedged my bet a little bit. So I took eight to one to him to be the fourth overall pick, uh, going to the New York Jets at number four. Or listen, it doesn't say the team. So if somebody wants to trade, it yeah, it doesn't matter. It's just him to be the fourth overall pick. Uh, cause in my my in my estimation, it will be Walker one, Hutchinson two, Stingley to the Texans at three. And then with this Beckton news, uh, I went Aquanu at four to the Jets. But I hedged I hedged it by betting Aquanu under four and a half. So if he goes number one to the to to the Jaguars, or if the Texans take him at number three, I have outs there where I'll pretty much just buy out of my position on him to be the fourth overall pick. That was my way of hedging out. And yes, if he gets taken fourth by the Jets, i just hit them both.
5: Yeah, no, I mean, this is what's awesome, A, about the draft market, and just B, these last few days leading up to the draft. If you're in states where you have multiple, and multiple outs. The price uh, differences are crazy on, on some of these, especially very specific player props. You know, some of the stuff you're talking about, like the number eight pick to be this guy, the number nine yep. guy to be this guy, the over under on the positions and there's crazy movement and all this movement, really a lot of it is on air because they see, Oh, Hey, Peter King put out a mock draft and he's doing some reporting. Okay, we're gonna, you know, the public's gonna come in all of a sudden and hammer one side. It's gonna shift it crazily. So they're really, you know, if you're if you're looking to go arbitrage and and really find some value, this is this is your time of year. As an Eagles guy, I will say uh, there's a lot of steam coming out about them trading up, mm. uh, and I think if they were to trade up, I think it would be into the top ten, and I think it would be with the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers are in need of an offensive lineman. They've had previous interest in Andre Dillard, uh, you know, the backup left tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles, who the Eagles are willing to move on from, but again, at, at the right price. So let's say there is a Aquanu and maybe another lineman drafted by the giants at five jets at four. Now, all of a sudden the Panthers were thinking they were going to go O-line. Hey, why not take the Dillard trade trade back? And then the Eagles move up. Uh, There's a lot of heat about them moving up. I think Jamison Williams or uh, Kavon uh, Thibodeau Mm. would be someone they're going to be looking to grab there at the sixth spot. So that's an interesting uh, angle to play as well.
3: Give me another one of your draft bets that you've locked in already.
5: Yeah. And I got a ton. I mean, I'm, you know, one, and I don't know what you can get the price at now. I haven't looked at it recently. But I do love Desmond Ritter to go in the first round. So that I, would I, so that would fall into a bet.
3: Like, I like over two and a half quarterbacks. But I don't yeah. think you can find that anymore. I looked at one of the books here, and they set the line at three. And I'm yep. willing to go under – I think I'm willing to go under three because I don't think we're getting four. I think three is the number, and it's going to be a push. The reason being is I think that we get, like, Ritter going late in the first round because a team's going to want to get that fifth-year option – and you look at the teams at the end of the first round. It could be the Lions at 32, or maybe a team trades for one of those Chiefs picks at the end of the first round.
5: Yeah, totally. And again, we've we saw with Lamar Jackson of these teams trading up into the the end of the first round. Or again, if the Lions don't go uh, quarterback two, which I I do think there's there's a small chance they might roll the dice and go Malik Willis and kind of blow people's minds and and wow, kind of ups, up. And upset the board completely. Yeah, I just Dan Campbell as a football guy. You see an athlete like Malik Willis that comes in the room with like a great handshake. I could see management kind of falling in love with him there. I I think that's at like nine to one, ten to one. But if they don't go quarterback there, why not? Why not go quarterback at the end of the first round? And you're right, maybe that's where it lands right on the three. Um, some of the some of the other kind of like fun long shot stuff. I like. I do like. Uh, I do like Devin Lloyd to be a top ten pick, and really, I like it because I think there's a real chance the Seattle Seahawks, who, again, kind of go unconventional with some of the people they uh, they like to draft. I think they could go Trevor Penning at the number nine pick, which I think uh, right now is at nine to one. You could just play it a little safer and just go Trevor Penning, top ten pick at plus five hundred. Again, if there's a if there's a little bit of a run on offensive linemen. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he sneaks into the top 10 there. He grades out as like a a typical Pete Carroll pick, but Devin Lloyd, I could see sneaking up there in the top 10 right now. uh, DraftKings has him at 50 to one to be the number nine pick to the Seahawks. Wow. He is just an athletic speedy playmaking linebacker that I could see the Seattle brass talking themselves into. and. You know, Devin Lloyd, depending on if he if he ends up going top ten or higher than people expect, he owes Micah Parsons probably some of his check because (laughs) in the same way that we saw Micah Parsons, they drafted him, it's like, oh, he's a linebacker. And all of a sudden he comes in and it's like, oh, he's a defensive end. He's this amazing pass rusher. You know, the Cowboys kind of fell into that. He was filling in for injuries, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, this guy's the next LT he's, he's not only defensive rookie of the year, he's in the mix for defensive player of the year. And I think Devin Lloyd fits a lot of that same profile and a team could easily talk themselves into him. So him to go top 10 in particular, him to go to the Seahawks again, it's at 50 to one right now. I think, I think that's a little mispriced. I, I think teams will talk themselves uh, into him and in particular, the Seahawks, we got
3: about a minute left. What have you been noticing uh, with your USFL bets?
5: You know, I I think I came on uh, week one and was just saying like, hey, auto under week one, I uh, went three and one. I think I even predicted it was gonna go three and one. It's <laughs> never gonna go uh, four and oh, but you know, it evened out two and two. I wasn't on the auto unders week two because some of these teams have figured out how to have a little bit of offense. I'll tell you this though, if you're looking at the futures market, the uh, the team that's really pretty interesting to me is the Philadelphia stars. I think their offense really kind of came to life. You can get them at like five to one, uh, six to one, and they're in a division that's pretty weak. And if you look at how the playoffs are broken out uh there, two teams from the North, two teams from the South, make it to the playoffs. They got a nice game against the New Jersey generals this week. They're only laying one and a half. Mm. That's my lock for uh, week three in the USFL and we will keep an eye on the yep. futures. Yeah, we
3: will take a, keep an eye on that. Sean, appreciate the time and the conversation. Good luck with your draft bets.
5: All right. Thanks, man. Always
3: He's Sean fun. Green from the sports gambling podcast. I'm Scott Scott's podcast. I'm Scott Scott's podcast. I'm Scott Ting podcast.